are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Monday show for you. Another good weekend in the NFL. Still have two plays pending tonight. We could have back-to-back six-in-one weeks in the NFL. We are going to talk about that Dallas-Philly game last night, talk about KC and Buffalo. Boy, the Chiefs are not looking good right now. We are going to talk about the standings, playoff, how it's looking in the NFC and the AFC. The AFC is an absolute jumbled mess. Obviously, over the weekend, we had the biggest signing in the history of sports for a single player. Shohei Otani signs with the Dodgers. Obviously, I'm happy being a Dodger fan. We'll talk about that. And the in-season NBA Cup completed on Saturday night in Las Vegas. The Lakers are your winners. I'll have some thoughts on that. And we'll get to that momentarily. So let's talk about the plays from yesterday. Another good day. I lost the best bet on the Chiefs minus one and a half. You know me. I say, look, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, at home under a field goal, you got to take them. And we saw what happened at the end of the game. They went up by four uh, with that touchdown on the lateral from Kelsey. To Kadarius Tony, however, Kadarius Tony couldn't stay on sides on the snap, and there was a penalty. Kansas City can't get a first down. That's your ball game. Andy Reid very upset after the game. Patrick Mahomes very upset after the game, and at the time that they were complaining after the game that look, you just don't call that. Let it be decided on the field. Come on, you're really calling an offsides. Two things. Number one, he was clearly offsides. This wasn't, was it close? Was it not? His whole head was above the ball. Everyone has to be behind the ball at the time the ball is hiked. And Kadarius Tony was over the ball. The second thing is, and I would even agree with, hey, you know what? Still, let's not call this. It's so dumb. Really? It, did that affect the play at all? See, that's what bothers me is when you call something like that, it didn't affect the play. He didn't get an extra head start because he was a half an inch in front of the ball. Yes, I understand it's a rule. Back up. It is his fault for not knowing. But it didn't affect the play. That's why it kind of bothered me. However, on the Sunday night game, if you heard them go to their in-booth referee, Terry McCauley, who refereed three Super Bowls in his career, he said, look, The referees have made this something that they are looking out for more this year. Last year, only twice was offensive offsides called. The year before that, only once. This year, it's now been called 12 times. So Kansas City can't complain and say, hey, why are you calling this? They have been calling it six times more than they did last year. And that was Patrick Mahomes' argument at the end of the game. was like, look, come on, guys. I've never been in a game where you called this. Yeah. Because referees haven't emphasized it. They have done a better job of emphasizing it this year. Is it a stupid rule? Yes. I mean, yeah, you can't be a a yard in front of the ball or something ridiculous. But should you be able to line up even with the ball? Probably. But the rules are rules. So that's where I can't side with Kansas City on this one. I know they're complaining about it. I know they think they got jobbed. And, yeah, if the penalty isn't called, you took a four-point lead. But you can't say that you know you would have won the game because you would have been up 24-20 to with a minute and 13 left. You almost scored too quickly. You don't think Josh Allen could have driven the field on you guys and possibly gotten a touchdown? I'm not saying he would have, but you can't sit there and say we would have won the game if you didn't call that offsides. No, you wouldn't have. You don't know that. 
So let's throw out that argument. You would have been up 24-20 with a minute and 13 left. We all remember the playoff game from a couple years ago. The Bills just marching up and down the field on your defense. Now, granted, this Kansas City defense is better, but you just can't say, yes, we would have won if they didn't call that offsides. You don't know that. And you don't know if you would have lost either. So just lay it on like, look, I understand they're upset. And let's face it, a lot of their complaining at the end of the game had to do with frustration. Because this isn't the Kansas City Chiefs of the past five years. They don't have the offense that they did in the last five years where they went to three Super Bowls and five AFC Championship games. They're not as good this year. You can't spin it any other way. Their offense is not a juggernaut anymore. Travis Kelsey, as good as he is, he's slowing down. You hear every single week the announcers talk about the fact that their wide receivers can't get separation from anybody. They don't have any burners anymore. They don't have the Tyreek Hill that made Buffalo's life miserable in that game two years ago. They don't have it. Look at their scores. Do you want me to read some of their scores? I mean, you you think like, oh, Kansas City, high-powered offense. They do this. They do that. Have you seen the scores of Kansas City Chiefs football games this year, especially at home? At home, lost 21-20. They beat the Bears 41-10. Does that even count? At home, beat Denver 19-8. Chargers, 31-17. Miami, beat them at home, 21-14. Beat Philly, lost to Philly, 21-17. Lost to Buffalo, 20-17. So you take away that Buffalo game and that um, Charger game, they scored 20 at home, they scored 19 at home, they scored 21 at home, and they scored 17 at home. And 17 against Philly. Like, I'm sorry, Chiefs fans. (laughs) That's five of your – that's four of your six home games. 20 points, 41, 19, 31, 21, 17, 17. Yeah, four of your six games you couldn't crack. You you got 21 points or less. You look at your scores in the past, that wasn't Kansas City Chiefs football. So – Just keep that in mind. You're not as good. You're getting by this year on your defense because your defense is way better than it's been in past seasons. You're still sitting there at the number three seed at eight and five, but your chances of getting the one seed are pretty much over and done with. You'll get one home game, and you would need two upsets to get to uh, the one seed to where you would have Patrick Mahomes play on home games in the playoffs again. You'll get get your first home game because you're probably going to win the AFC West, but... After that, Patrick Mahomes is probably going to have to go on the road, if not twice, if not once, maybe twice this year if you want to get back to the Super Bowl, which he can do. But I'm just saying, he's never had to play a playoff road game outside of the Super Bowl, three Super Bowls he's played in. So getting back to the picks, that was my best bet loser. Kansas City loses minus one and a half. They lose 2017 to Buffalo. My other picks, 4-0. Chicago, plus three and a half, outright winner. Cincinnati, minus two, easy winner. Denver, plus three, easy winner. Tampa Bay, plus two, winner. So we will absolutely take that. I am now 28 and 14 and three on the other picks in the NFL this year, 67% on those. You add that with my best bets, which are now four, eight, and one. So I'm what, 28, 20, 28, 22, and four. So 28 out of 50. 
I'm 56%, but man, take away those best bets. Doing really well on those other picks. 67%, 28 and 14. Um, oh, excuse me. That's not 67%. I'm sorry. 28 and 14 is uh, uh, seven into four, six, two thirds. No, I am. What am I talking about? It's two thirds, 67%. Now, I still have two plays pending tonight. I have the underdog play of the week, which is the Giants by the half point up to seven against Green Bay tonight. And I have one team left in my three-team 10-point teaser where the other two sides have already won. I had Kansas City plus eight and a half. I told you on Friday, if they lose this game, I don't see Buffalo winning by more than a touchdown. And they didn't. So Kansas City loses by three, but they're getting eight and a half. And then Denver plus 13, they beat the Chargers by 17. So I have Miami minus three tonight. I don't know what I'll do if Miami can't cover three at home against the Tennessee Titans. I don't know. I, I, I was going to say, like, I'll never bet again, but that would be stupid to say. Um, I mean, I'd be stunned if Miami can't beat Tennessee at home. They're 13-point they're favorites right now. Obviously, you get it down to 10. Or, dead, you know, in the 10-point tees, they're down to minus three. Hey, we get a Miami minus three. So we're look. I mean, look, I think Miami's covering three tonight. I don't think I'm going out on a limb there and saying there's no way they can cover three. Um, so I'm kind of counting that as a win. I probably shouldn't. But we count that as a win. We're looking at five and two or six and one. After going 0-10-1 in back-to-back weeks, we've now gone back-to-back weeks of either six and one or a six and one and five and two. So we bounce back from that. That's a good thing. And... Looking to march ahead with uh, with better picks, and then, you know we're up almost. We'd almost be up to sixty percent on the season in the NFL. So very happy uh, for that weekend that we just had. You look at the standings in the NFL. My gosh, you realize there are six teams that are seven and six in the AFC right now. It is a jumbled mess. Four weeks to go. There are six teams that are seven and six, all in the wild card spot. So right now, if the playoffs started today. Pittsburgh and Indianapolis would be the two teams that go as the six and seven seeds. Houston, Denver, Cincinnati, and Buffalo would be out. But there's a lot of football still to be played. This is going to switch. Teams are going to jump teams, and they're probably going to jump back. But Pittsburgh, Indy, Houston, Denver, Cincy, Buffalo, all seven and six. Now, Buffalo's got the toughest road because they are um, four and five in conference. They have a losing record in conference. And that's not good because conference tiebreaker is what it's going to end up being, not to mention some head-to-heads there. But to try and figure this out and be like, oh, I know that these two teams are going to be of the six that are all at seven and six right now, impossible. Like, we have no idea what the hell's going to happen down the stretch. I know Pittsburgh plays at Indy this week, which is a huge game in terms of playoff seating. C.J. Stroud got hurt yesterday in the Texans game. He got a concussion, so we don't know how long he's out. We've got the whole thing going on in Pittsburgh with are they going to do well with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback? Nobody knows that. Denver's playing well. They bounce back. Cincinnati's won two in a row with Jake Browning. Right now they're sitting at the 10 seed, but what if Cincinnati runs the table and finishes 11-6 and six or even 10-7? and seven? They could get in because Jake Browning has proven he can quarterback in this league. Even though it's been only two games, he's obviously proven he can win. And I think we have to look at Cincinnati as a serious contender to get a wild card spot. And obviously, I'm not going to rule out Buffalo. Buffalo's got a huge game next week at home against the Cowboys. So there's that. As for the Cowboys, um, I laid it out there for you on Friday. I said, look, everything sets up right for the Cowboys right now. 
They've had 10 days to prepare for this game. They've already lost to Philly once in their division. They lose this game. There's zero chance of them winning the NFC East. They are done. They'd be three games out with four to play. They have to win this game, not to mention Philly is in the fifth game of a five-game stretch of Dallas, Buffalo. um, uh, Who was the other one? Dallas, Buffalo. No, it's Dallas, KC, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas again. So now, as we speak today, Dallas and Philly both 10-3. and Dallas currently holds the tiebreaker because they have a better conference record than Philly. However, Philly controls their own destiny. If Philly wins out, they win the NFC East, and the Dallas Cowboys would be the five seed. It is conceivable the Dallas Cowboys could finish the season 14-3 and and never get a home game in the playoffs. Very, very conceivable. Because if Philly wins out, they finish 14-3 and as well, but they have a better they'd finish with a better conference record at 10 and 2 where the Cowboys would be 9 and 3 if they won out. So Dallas could win out from here. Tougher schedule than Philly, way tougher. At Buffalo next week, at Miami the week after, home against Detroit, at Washington. So they've got 3 of the 4 on the road, 3 of the 4 against teams over 500. Philly has 2 at home, 2 on the road, and all 4 teams are under 500. They're at Seattle this week, who are six and seven. Then their home, then their home Giants, who stink. Home Air, uh, at Arizona, who stink at Giants, I believe. They got Giants twice, Arizona and Seattle. So keep that in mind. Even though Philly lost, and I told you this on Friday, Philly still controls their own destiny to win the NFC East, which could make Dallas at best a five seed, and they don't get a home game. But they could finish 14-3 and three and not play a, a playoff game at home. And look, like I said, they had everything going for them yesterday. They had to win that game. Philly just, and it just looked that way. I mean, watch the game. Dallas just physically dominated them. I think Philly is just beat up for having that gauntlet of games the last five weeks. But if I told you before the last five weeks started for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I said they've got Dallas – Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, then Dallas again. And I told you they were going to go 3-2. and two. Any Philly fan would have taken it. Philly's just disappointed because they started that gauntlet 3-0, and oh, and they've lost the last two to the Niners and the Cowboys. But you've now got the easy portion of your schedule left. You've got four teams under 500 to end your season. Win out, you win the NFC East. You're probably not going to get a bye. You could. San Francisco loses one game, you would get a bye. You'd have the best record. But... They just need to win out and win the NFC East to guarantee themselves a home game, or else they're going to be in the same spot as the Cowboys. They're going to be fourteen and three, or they're going to be thirteen and four, and be on the road uh, for all of the playoffs. So keep that in mind. Right now, there's only five teams in the NFC that are even over five hundred, and one of them is the Minnesota Vikings, who don't scare anybody. They're terrible. Josh Dobbs, whoever, Nick Mullins, whoever they throw in their quarterback, has not been good at all. Three nothing. An NFL game ended 3-0 yesterday. Vikings over the Raiders. That's embarrassing. Should never happen. Especially when weather didn't even play a factor. That game was in Las Vegas. Allegiant Stadium is a dome stadium. And you're telling me a game ended 3-0 and the three points didn't come till there was two minutes left in the game. Just a punt fest. Awful, awful, awful.
Well, the biggest story over the weekend was the fact that Shohei Otani has signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers for a whopping 10 years, $700 million. When we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks, we knew it was going to be minimum 500. I thought it was going to be in the 550 to 600 million dollar range. I can't say I'm surprised that it's 700. I can't say I'm surprised that it's the Dodgers. We knew it was going to be a big market team. All the all the scuttlebutt, all the rumors were that he wanted to stay on the West Coast and the Dodgers basically cleared their roster last season. This has been a pursuit they've had of Otani ever since he was in Japan. Like, they wanted him out of Japan, and he chose the Angels. And it's something where they have been scouting him, and they have been wanting him, and they basically have laid all their cards on the table and said, look, this is what we want. It's why they literally skimped on four positions this past year. You know, after Gavin Lux blew out his knee in spring training last year, they didn't go out and get a second baseman. They didn't go out and get a shortstop. They did not go out and get a left fielder. They basically have five studs and four rotational players. Now they've got six studs, and Gavin Lux is coming back, and if he's anything like he was the year before, they've got seven studs. I mean, now, does it mean they're going to win the World Series? No, it doesn't. But what it does do, and I think the reason that Shohei Otani, I don't think it's any secret, the reason he went to the Dodgers was because they are perennial winners. They've been to the playoffs the last 11 years without him, I'm guessing they're going to get there with him. Hell, their pitching staff could be average, and I think with this lineup of Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani, and Freddie Freeman in your top three, I mean, <laughs> I don't even know how you pitch to someone like that. And then you've got, and then you've still got like Max Muncy, who can hit 35 bombs a year. Will Smith, who's one of the best hitting catchers in the National League. Gavin Lux. They'll be fine offensively. They still need to go out and get some pitching, which I'm sure they're going to try and do because Otani can't pitch this year. But, boy, are they loaded offensively. But it doesn't mean anything. All it does is put more pressure on the Dodgers to win it all. They've won one World Series since 1988. We know this, and it was during COVID in a 60-game season. Yet they've made the playoffs the last 11 years, and probably half of those times in the last 11 years, they had the best record in the National League. And this team, for whatever reason, can't get it done in the playoffs. We've talked about this time and time and time again. Now they've got no excuses. They get to the playoffs and they've got Otani on their roster. They can't excuse it as, well, the other team got hot. I mean, you have to be the ones that get hot. You have to be the ones that put your foot on the other team's neck and just say, that's it. We're not screwing around anymore. But, hey, we know this on every Major League Baseball playoff season when it rolls around. It's a five-game series. It's all it takes is one team to win three first, and all you got to do is go two and three over a five-game stretch, and you are out of the playoffs. Or three and four over a seven-game stretch, and you're out of the playoffs. They significantly made their team better by signing Shohei Otani. How could you not? He's the best player in all of baseball. He's probably the best player in the last 50 years in baseball. And he's now playing on perennially the best franchise in all of baseball. And I'm not saying that because I'm biased. I'm not saying that because I'm a Dodger fan. I'm saying it because the facts bear it out. 11 straight trips to the playoffs. 10 of those were because they won the NL West. And the one year they didn't win the NL West and still made the playoffs, they won 106 games. Just so happened that the Giants won 107. So that's why Otani went there. He wanted to play for a winner. He'd been in the league six years. He had two MVPs, and he had Dick to show for it in the playoffs. 
This is good for Major League Baseball. You want your stars to be seen on the biggest stage. And Shohei Otani, as great as he was, the only time the national media ever got to see him, really, is if they played on Sunday Night Baseball or at the All-Star Game. And that's one game out of the season. People are going to want to see this guy, and even Dodger fans, even the diehard baseball fans, are going to want to see this guy and what he does in the playoffs. You know, what if he sucks in the playoffs? What if he has a horrible playoffs and the Dodgers lose? Like, they have no excuses anymore. None. You know, unless they're missing one of those guys come playoff time, then you could say, oh, well, we didn't have bets, or, oh, Freddie Freeman was hurt, or whatever. We won't know until the next year's playoffs start. But if the Dodgers can make the playoffs 11 years in a row without Shohei Otani, my guess is they can make it with them. So it's almost like just pencil them into the playoffs, and it's going to be tough because for 162 games, all this Dodger team is going to hear is, we don't give a shit what you do in the regular season, guys. Do it in the playoffs. And that's what they have to do. And finally, the NBA Cup, Lakers over the Pacers Saturday night in Las Vegas. Anthony Davis went nuts, 41 points, 20 rebounds. Look, when Anthony Davis plays like that and he doesn't have to make LeBron the best player on the court, the Lakers, well, I'll say this. The three games that the Lakers played in the knockout round, the quarterfinal game against Phoenix and then – uh, the semifinal game against New Orleans, and then the finals against Indiana. If that Laker team plays cons- that consistently through the rest of the year, I don't care what Minnesota Timberwolves record is right now. They're, what, 19-4, and four, something ridiculous. OKC is playing great. Suns are getting Bradley Beal back. That's great and all. You got the, you got the Warriors who are struggling. I'm telling you right now, if the Lakers of the last three games are – this healthy come start of the playoffs, I don't care what their seed is, they're going to the NBA Finals because they are unbeatable when they lock you down defensively. They are too big, and the crazy thing is they do it without three-point shooting. They're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA, and what do we talk about all the time, how the NBA is just drive and kick, drive and kick, teams firing up 45, 53-pointers a game and hoping to make 15 to 20 of them. The Lakers didn't hit their first three-pointer against against Indiana in that championship game until like four minutes left in the third quarter. That's unheard of. It was only the third time this year that nobody hit a three-pointer in the first half of a game. Lakers didn't hit one, and yet they still won the game going away because they are so big and so deep inside that their length just fucks with teams. And while other teams might be able to hit three-pointers on them, if the Lakers stay diligent, and make sure AD gets his touches down low, and LeBron does what he does, and they lock you up defensively, they are going to be the Western Conference favorite. I'm not saying they're going to win the NBA championship because it will depend on who comes out of the East and whatnot and how they're playing at that time. But, man, I'd love to see a Laker-Philly NBA final. Anthony Davis going up against Joel Embiid, I think that will be great. But Lakers win their first ever in-season tournament. People seemed to like it. They took it seriously. There was a vibe about the game Saturday night. It felt more important watching it. You could tell the players really wanted to win. Cool deal. Now, it's like I said, it's it's still in its early stages. They'll tweak some things, and next year it'll be a little bit different. But I think, you know, the Lakers aren't going to hang a banner. The Lakers aren't going to brag that, oh, my God, well, at least if they get bounced in the playoffs, they're going to be like, well, at least we won the in-season tournament. No. It's just something to keep fans interested and make games in November and December relatively important. 
and it did. I think it held people's interest. I thought it was a really um, – I, I enjoyed the fact that the players seemed to be taking it seriously and really wanted to win this weekend in Vegas. All right, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review if, if you can. Uh, the Daily Roundup is up already on my uh, Reality Steve feed if you're interested in that. Pass it along to your friends. Let them know, hey, we're running a hot streak here the last couple of weeks. Right now, we are 10-2 and two with two more plays pending tonight over the last two weeks. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you. Oh, no. Nothing's going